came in, she uh, laid down on the bed, she went to sleep, and so I left her sleeping. And uh, so I told the kids, I said, leave her asleep, you know, let her rest. So that's where she's at right now. She's making herself go to work because she kind of feels like she needs to or has to, uh, but she's not feeling so good. But do keep praying for her as she's, as she's mending and getting better. This bronchial stuff, she battles it every year, <clears throat> sometimes more than, uh, more than at other times. It makes her really, really sick. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to do something tonight that, we, we don't, that I haven't done since I've been here. Now, it's going to be, it, it might be a challenge you got to speak loud if you want to say something. But uh, <clears throat> when I used to teach the youth at Patterson, I used to ask them from time to time when we'd come in on a Wednesday night to have youth class, I'd ask them, I'd say, you know, where, has anybody seen God this week? Have you seen God show up anywhere in your life and you want to share about it? And, of course, they'd tell me little God moments. You know, because if we're paying attention, we will see God work in our lives. And so y'all always get to hear me talk, Okay. And this, you don't have to share anything, okay? If you sit there and go, oh, I don't want to say anything. You don't have to. But if you've seen God show up in your life this week and you've seen Him work and you'd like to share, I'll give you a moment. And if you want to really be heard, I can get you a microphone. So, Ron just jumped up. He's getting a microphone. Anybody see God show up in their life this week? And don't feel like you have to say something. Don't feel like, well, Brother Vance gave us an opportunity and nobody said anything. Again, I used to lead the youth, okay? There were many Wednesday nights that I would do that and nobody would say a word, okay? It's okay. One thing I've learned to do as a leader, embrace the silence. That's hard to do. Yes. 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 Yep, that's good. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah. <clears throat> he know. You said talk to all of them. Yeah, his mind went to something else. For you that didn't hear her, she was saying out every Tuesday at the food pantry over there getting to interact with people and talk with them and to minister to them. You don't get to always talk to everybody, but the ones that God allows you to talk to, um, that's, a, that's a blessing. <clears throat> yep, yep, that's a blessing. That is. That could have been a lot worse. <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see her too. You need a microphone? Ron. Right here? Is this the one I need to grab? You want me in charge of that, Miss Melody? She is the Vanna White of microphones. She's going to go around it. Exactly. <laughs> Give us your game show, you know, hands as your... We just wanted to say, me and Lindsay, that um, today we did something at our school called See You at the Pole, and it was awesome, and it's, it's a great time to have, and just be in fellowship with everyone at our school. 
That's good. I didn't. I I hadn't even heard anything about that until my girls told me about it right in the church a while ago. I usually hear it announced a lot, and I didn't hear it announced anywhere. But they said there was a lot of kids out there, a lot of students. So that's a blessing. Anybody else? <clears throat> Yep. Yep. God works in little ways. He does. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, being stuck is not good. Is there anybody else? Well, I'll, show, I'll share mine. Um, I, I've seen God work in a lot of ways this week, but you don't want to hear all of them. Uh, but I, I'll use the, the food pantry this week as well. But just watching, um, a lot of times I'm just standing around all I'm doing. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not doing a whole lot when I'm over there, but just there. But I stood by this week and watched all of you that were there ministering to people. And, um, and, and that blessed my heart to watch and if you've never been over there, there's a, as, as Rendell said a while ago, you can't minister to everybody because people are moving and they're, you know, they're driving up and you're getting food and driving off and they're in, the, in there looking at clothes and they're out. You know, it's just, it's just kind of busy. But, you know, but just those little moments, you know, that I would, I would witness somebody. And, 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 here's, you know, and here's what I mean by my God moment is, no, we didn't see anybody come to know Jesus this week over there, but... You know, I got to thinking, all of those people that pull up in there to get food, and, with, and you don't know their story. You don't know their circumstances. You don't know where they've come from. Um, when I say you don't know where they've come from, you don't know if some of them might be unemployed because of the coronavirus. You don't know that some of them is retired, just trying to make ends meet on a, on a fixed income. You don't know. But all you do know is that they're pulling through there, and they're, they're getting food. But I know how I feel when I'm kind of, not having the best day in the world, you know? And if you're trying to make ends meet, you're not having a good day, a week, maybe even a month, okay? But when somebody will smile at you or say a kind word to you or, you know, just offer a helping hand, which I saw you guys doing this week, I know that's got to mean a lot 
to the people that's receiving the food. And, and I'm always mindful, you know, and, and I, I know you guys are as well. I'm always mindful of the people that I interact with because I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what kind of day they've had. I don't know that they might be struggling that day because of something that happened 10 years earlier in their life. I don't know. But I always want to be mindful that I am representing Jesus in everything that I do. My smiles, my handshakes, my, my waves, and my words, they're always doing something for God. So it blessed my heart this week to see you guys ministering and showing love and compassion to people you know, that were coming up there to simply meet a need. Uh, it, it's not like they're coming up there shopping at Walmart. They're coming up there to get food because they obviously need food to eat. So to see you guys do that this week blessed my heart. I was, I was moved by it. So that's how I watched God work. So anyway, that's my God moment. You're in Colossians tonight, Colossians chapter 1. But I would encourage you as you flip in your Bible there tonight to look for God. Look for God as you, as you, uh, as you go throughout your day. Look for God. God is always working around you. I promise you. He's always doing something. Sometimes you see it. Sometimes you don't. And uh, me and Brother Kenny had some really good conversations before church a while ago about sometimes you do something for people and you don't even realize it was that big of a deal until six months or six years later you get a testimony back from somebody. Remember when you did that? Barely. Well, you did, and that made a huge difference in my life. You never know. You never know uh, what, uh, what you might be doing for somebody else. Colossians chapter 1, though. Paul is writing here, and, and we've been talking about prayer on Wednesday night, and that's kind of where I'm going again tonight. And I'm fighting a cough. But Paul starts off in verse 1. We're going to read 1 down to 10. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He's praying for them. Now, here's the deal. He's praying for them. He never, he's never even met these people, okay? When he's writing this letter, he's, he's, not, he's not met these people. And so he says, We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Paul writes on, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight as we begin to look at His Word. Father God, we just thank You, Lord, for allowing us an opportunity to break up in Your Word tonight, Lord, to read it and study it, to be able to gather back together as a body of believers. And God, we are thankful that 
we got to see you work in, in multiple ways this week. God, you show, we've seen you show up so many times. And God, we've seen you do things that, um, not just miraculous things, not that I don't think those things probably happened. I'm sure they did. Uh, God, I'm just sometimes I get so engulfed in my own little world, I, I miss things. But God, for those that you did bring to our attention, those that you said, hey, pay attention, look what I'm doing right here. For those moments that you allowed us to view and witness you working, God, I thank you for that. God, I need to see you work, and I know you always are, but God, when, when I do, I'm so encouraged. And God, it, in, it in, empowers me and, uh, and helps me to push forward, God, knowing that you are always working and you're always ministering around us. God, for all the things that we've heard testified in here tonight, Lord, of they've, how, how you are working and you're opening things and allowing things to happen and you're ministering in life and you've prevented things, God, probably. We've probably been spared from accidents that maybe we weren't even aware that we almost got into. You're, you're always taking care of us. And tonight, Lord, as we look here in, in Colossians, as we look at this letter that Paul wrote of God, uh, I just pray that you would just speak into our heart and life tonight, Lord, as we think about prayer and we think about knowledge and wisdom of your word. And God is what Paul was encouraging the church here to do with the knowledge that they had. I, I pray, God, that we realize tonight, Lord, that you've entrusted us uh, with so much, Lord, and we are to live our lives out in such a way that people are drawn unto you. So, Lord, I want to pray that you bless our time together tonight, Lord. I, I pray that we would see the importance of prayer. And, and Lord, just drawing closer to you. And we pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't always do this, and I know your Bible has the same things uh, pretty much that mine does, depending on um, probably the who put your Bible out. But at the beginning of each book of the Bible, there's always this little commentary where it kind of lays out what that book of the Bible is about. And I just want to read some things here that's in my Bible and just kind of give you lay some groundwork here. But mine kind of starts off by saying this. He says, if, if, if Ephesians can be labeled the epistle portraying the church of Christ, then Colossians must surely be Christ of the church. He says, Ephesians focuses on the body. Colossians focuses on the head. Like Ephesians, the little book of Colossians divides neatly in half with the first portion being doctrinal, which is chapters 1 and 2, and the second, chapters 3 and 4, being practical, or you could say practical application. Uh, and, and he goes on to say, Paul's purpose is to show that Christ is preeminent, or that means superior, first and foremost in everything, and the Christian's life should reflect that priority. Now, I'm going to read that line to you again. It says, Christ should be first and foremost in everything. That's in our lives as well as in the church. And if he's that in our lives, he's going to be that in the church because the church is made up of us. So if we're all putting Christ first in our lives, then Christ is going to be first in the church. It says, um, and our lives should reflect that God has that preeminent place in our life. He goes on to say, he says, because believers are rooted in him, alive in him, hidden in him, and complete in him, it is utterly inconsistent for them to live a life without him. Does that make sense? And see, that's something to think about as a Christian, is that you are, 
And if you read Colossians, you're going to get this. But we are rooted. And I think you'll even see this in Ephesians a little bit. But the word rooted does show up there. And you, if you think about something, about something growing in your yard, I know you've got plants. I know you've got bushes. You've probably got trees in the edge of your yard in the woods. But in order for something to grow up high and full, it's got to first grow down and get established. If it doesn't grow, if, if you've got something in your yard that doesn't seem to be growing, it means it's not getting into the dirt. I, I've got a tree in my yard that's going to have to have something done to it. This uh, wintertime, I'm going to have to go out and dig around it. Uh, I planted a tree, and I know what it is, and I, I did dig around it when I planted it, but obviously I didn't do a very good job. I got several drake elms growing in my yard, and I like these trees. But this one that I planted, before I cleared the woods about 16 years ago where I lived, there's, there was some, like, some little roads that ran through that little piece of land there. And where the, where, the road was, where the dirt was driven over, it's packed and it's hard. Well, now that's part of my yard. It's, it's grass growing there, but you can still tell where those old little roads used to be in the woods before I cleared it. And so I went out there in this one particular spot, and I dug a hole. And I dug a pretty good size, but I planted a small elm tree. And I planted it about four or five years ago. And it was about this tall when I planted it. And it's about this tall now, okay? And so it has not grown very much. And so at the rate we're going, I'll be dead and gone before it ever gets up big enough to put a shade off. So, and a, and a drake elm grows fairly fast, okay? They, they will shoot up in a hurry. But I know what it is, is I've looked at the tree and I know that dirt was hard and I dug, I thought, a good size hole and I broke up the dirt real good so it could get the roots in there. But I obviously didn't do a very good job. So I'm going to have to go back and either move that tree or dig around it again and break up that dirt so those roots can get down. But I know that the reason it's not growing up is because it ain't growing down. If it can't grow down, it won't go up. And that's true of our Christian lives. A lot of times we look at unfruitful Christians. We look at uh, people who aren't seem to be, they're not growing up in Christ. They're not putting on fruit. And the reason for that is, is because they're not getting deep into, into Christ and, uh, and into His Word. If you think about, if you think about what, takes, uh, what makes a tree grow, it needs water, it needs fertilizer, it needs good, good dirt or shrubs or whatever. Same is true with Christians. Uh, we've got to be watered. We've got to be fertilized. And the water and the fertilize is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and God's Word. And when we read it, He takes what we read and He applies it to our lives. And the more we apply, the more we're going to grow. And the, and, and the more I get into this, the deeper I'm getting. The, the more rooted into His Word I get, uh, the, the more I'm going to grow up and put on fruit. So it's, it's crucial. So we've got to do this. And so if we're not doing this, we're not going to be productive Christians. We're just not going to. But I had a couple of things that I want us to look at here in verses 9 and 10. And, and then I would like to have a time of prayer tonight simply because there's a lot of sickness in our church right now, people that need to be prayed for. And you guys have a big decision coming up. And I think you need to really bathe that in prayer. But Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 9, we'll just kind of jump right into this. Paul, is he's kind of starting off, and your Bible probably titles verses 9, 10, and 11, and maybe even to the remainder. Oh, mine does it through verse 18. It titles it Preeminence of Christ. But he starts off, Paul does, in writing here in verse 9. And he's already talking about how he's heard about the church. And he's, he's, he's heard about what's going on. And, and he's, he's praying for them. But then he says in verse 9, he says, For this reason, 
We also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I usually type out my notes. Tonight I hand wrote them, and sometimes I have trouble reading my handwriting. So if I'm up here going, y'all give me a moment, and I'm looking at it, that's, that's why I'm trying to figure out what did I write. But when well, he says, do not cease to pray for you, and, he, and it's, this is what he was praying for, is he was praying, he was praying for a certain thing. And this is what he was praying for. He said, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, the knowledge of his will, and then he says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Paul wasn't just going, hey, I'm just praying for you. You know, we, we do that sometimes. I'm praying for you, brother. You know, whatever. But he says, I'm praying specifically. I'm praying that you would be, you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and the wisdom of spiritual understanding. And I thought about something. I got several references we'll flip back to, but... Paul wrote some of these same things over in some other letters to some other churches. And we'll see in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, 16, and 17, he said this. He said, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. Um, Paul's saying, I, I want you guys to... And, and listen, as Paul is praying for this, this is something that was important that they were being prayed for. I, this is what we should pray for each other. It's what we should pray for the church. This is what we should, I would hope that you'd pray for me. I'd pray for you. But that we want the knowledge of what God's will is for our lives, the knowledge of what God's will is for your church. Uh, I should want that for all of you, and you should want that for me. We're praying that we would know and understand that we'd be filled with knowledge. And here's what you need to understand. As he's writing this and... and We'll kind of go, we'll kind of go ahead and jump into this here, and we'll look at another scripture in just a second. But there was a heresy going on in the church at this point here in Colossus, and and as he's writing this, one of the reasons he's kind of targeting this or emphasizing this point was that there were people in the church that was gaining knowledge of who Jesus was, but they weren't applying it to their lives, and so they weren't there wasn't there was no change there. You know any people like that? I do. I know people that seek knowledge just so they can argue. You know anybody like that? I do, and I don't like people like that. I despise them. I mean, it's like, because the thing is, if you, you should be gaining the knowledge of Jesus in biblical knowledge so you can grow in the Lord and use that knowledge to reach a lost world, to impact the world for Christ. Not gain knowledge just so you can say, well, I know a lot of things, you know, and what do you want to talk about? You want to argue? I mean, they won't say those words. But they like to debate you. They want to debate you. Well, what about this and what about that? I'm like, look, you should gain the knowledge of Christ so that it can change your life. That's the whole reason. And, I, and truthfully, I'll say this. I really don't understand this and, this, and I'm just basing it on what God does in my life. I assume we're all pretty much the same in a roundabout kind of way. I know we're different in some ways, but we're all people. But the more I know about God the more humility I feel like. In other words, what I'm saying is, I'll use Brother David, for example. I think you said this Sunday. Um, 
and I could relate to exactly what you said. I don't know if people can tell a difference in my life, but I'd like to think that I'm different. Um, I'd like to think that I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, David made the comment the other day about, you know, you might have said it yesterday about not wanting to hurt somebody's feelings. You know, that you would, you, 98% of the times you're, you're joking and that's the way I am too. If I say something to you and you got offended, I probably didn't mean it. I was just probably cutting up. Sometimes I cut up a little too hard. But now 10, 15 years ago, oh, it wouldn't have bothered me. You know, 10, 15 years ago, I'd argue with a fence post. And, uh, and so, and, you know, and I could be kind of, kind of blunt sometimes. And I'd say things that, you know, I... Probably shouldn't have said, but it didn't bother me so much. But the more I learn about Christ, the more I grow in my Christian life, the less I want to be that person. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to offend people. You know, I, that's the last thing. I'd walk a thousand miles to, to not offend you because I don't want to offend you. If I did, it was an accident, and I wish somebody would come tell me and say, hey, you know you offended me. I promise you I'll apologize a thousand times over. Um, I may tell you I don't take back what I say, you know, but I didn't mean to offend you with it. Sometimes the truth offends you, but I could have said it differently maybe. You know what I'm saying? Um, like with our, my kids sometimes, you know, I find out that I say stuff to them and, and hurt their feelings, and I go, I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but I, I meant what I said, but I didn't mean it to hurt your feelings. I really didn't. I was not trying to offend you. I was just trying to, to state the truth to you. But what I'm saying is, is the more we grow in Christ, the more we read our Bibles, it should change us. We should not be the same people we were two weeks ago. We shouldn't be the same people we were two years ago. It should be molding us into His image. And Christ was straightforward and blunt, but I don't think He set out to offend people. And I don't think He set out to make people mad. I think He did sometimes, but I don't think that was His goal. But it should be changing us. And this is what Paul is saying. He's like, look, if you're getting the knowledge of Christ and it's not changing you, then you're not applying it. If you're not a, if you're not a better Christian today than you were yesterday, if you're not closer to God today, then your knowledge is not doing you a, a bit of good. It's not doing you any good at all. And so, but that's, that's what he's saying, but that's what we should understand as well. If we're coming to church and we're reading our Bibles and we're praying, we need to take what we're learning and apply it to our lives so that we are not the same people that we used to be. We should be different. The world should see a difference in us. Romans tells us, and I just quoted this verse, I'm pretty sure, Sunday. I did write recently anyway. But Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, transformed by the renewing of your mind, your thought process, the way you do things, the way you say things, it should be changed as you learn more about God. The more time you spend with Him, the more you should act like Him. Do you, do you ever hang out with somebody long enough that you start talking like them? Or start doing little things that they do. Yeah, that's not always good, but you know, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you can hang out with people that say something a certain way, and uh, and then all of a sudden you find yourself picking up those little sayings, you know, like, what did I, what did, you know, and then you get thinking, I heard him say that, I picked up that. Well, just as you spend time with people, they kind of rub off on you. Me and Connie have rubbed off on each other uh, almost 28 years of marriage. We were riding down the road the other day, and uh, we do this kind of stuff all the time. And if you've been married for any length of time, you probably do it as well. It's, it's hilarious, honestly. 
We had been in the car together like two days earlier, going somewhere, and we were having a discussion about something. And then we just we thought we didn't finish the conversation. It just kind of got dropped, and we went on to something else. Two days later, we're in the car together, and we're riding down the road, and she picks up that conversation like we had just had it five minutes earlier. It's been two days. And she goes, I mean, right in the middle of it, she goes, but you know, I do think that's how we need to do that. And I look at her, I said, I couldn't agree with you more. I said, I've been thinking about that too. And then I went to laugh, and I, she says, what are you laughing about? I said, I don't know what's funnier. The fact that you picked up in the middle of a conversation two days after we had it, or the fact that I knew what you were talking about. I said, I don't know which one's the funniest. I said, the fact that you did it or the fact that I knew what you were talking about. And she went to laugh and she goes, we've spent too much time together. I said, we've rubbed off on each other. I said, I knew what you were thinking. You didn't have to explain it to me. I knew. And, and I said, but that's, you know, but when you spend time with, around people, that's, you, you kind of take on their traits and they take on yours. And, but if we spend time with Christ, shouldn't we start looking more like Christ? I mean, we really should. God's church should be looking more like Him all the time. As we gain knowledge, as we spend time with Him, this is what should be taking place. But I'll reiterate the point before we go on to the other verse, is that knowledge without application, it's nothing. Okay, We have to apply what we learn. And as we learn something, we should be more like Him. Now notice what he says in verse 10. He said, For this reason... We all, I'm going to read verse 9 again so you can kind of, because it kind of, verse 9 and 10, are, it's, like a, it's a complete thought, and we kind of separate them into verses. But I'm going to read 9 to you again so you can kind of walk it right into 10. He said, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And here comes the, the rest of the thought. More or less, he's saying, so that, this is kind of the so that, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing God. Now, so what he's saying here, he says, I'm praying for you that your knowledge may grow, and you'll get wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk, walk worthy of the Lord. Now, uh, is my batteries cutting? Is that, yeah, um, I thought I cut in and out a few times there. But he's talking about walking worthy of the Lord. Now, yeah, think about that. I didn't really study this out, and I'm just going off of what Vance thinks. Um, as I was reading it today, normally I would go search out words and different things, but I didn't today. But um, y'all going to watch us do a pit crew thing here as we're, as we're talking. I'm just going to hand this to Ron. Now, I've got this run through my belt, so don't pull too hard, okay? But as you look at that, you start thinking about walking in the Lord. All right, now y'all can hear me. So, but he's talking about walking. You know, it kind of makes me think of the old saying, you know, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. You know, that, that's kind of what I think of when I read that is it's easy to talk the Christian talk, but when you leave this building and go out into life and start living it, it's totally different. You, you start interacting with people then, and then your patience get tested, and, you know, uh, just uh, there's a lot of things, and you have to really apply it. But he's saying here that we ought to walk worthy of the Lord. Now, you think something, you know, being worthy of something. 
Well, none of us are worthy of salvation tonight. I mean, we have salvation based on grace and mercy uh, of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We put our faith and trust in Him. We have salvation. But if we're going to have that salvation, okay, we've got salvation in Christ. When we think about what Christ did for us, the price He had to pay, then I think we ought to, and it's what Paul's saying, we ought to walk worthy of what Christ has done for us. In other words, as we live our lives out every day in this world, how we conduct ourselves is our walk. We ought to be mindful that Christ paid a high price for our salvation. It's not something to take lightly. It's not just, you know, to kind of put it into a life application sense that we can understand, like everything going on right now in America with the disrespect to our country and our flags. One of the things that bothers me is we see the disrespect being shown to our flag and to the freedoms that we have, given no regards to the people who had to pay that price for them to have that freedom and for that flag to fly the way it flies. That's very disrespectful. And what they are so, and, and I'm going to use the word ignorant because that's, I don't know of a better word, but they do have the freedom and I don't, I don't agree with this, okay? So hear me when I say this. I don't agree with burning our flag. I don't agree with throwing it on the ground and stomping it. But what they don't understand is because of the men and the women that served before they even existed who fought and died for that flag is the only reason they have the right and the freedom to stomp that flag and to burn it. I don't agree with them doing it, but I'm saying... They have the freedom to do it because somebody else paid a high price for them to have that freedom. If they lived in any other country, they wouldn't get to do that. They have the freedom in America. So what I'm saying is they need to understand that if you're going to live in America, then you need to live in a way that honors those people who fought and died to give you the freedom that enables you to act stupid. I mean, I don't know any better way to say it, but that's, about, that's just the truth of the matter. So... As a Christian, we need to look at that the same way. And from a spiritual point of view, we need to walk worthy of our Savior who paid a high price for us to have our salvation. It means that I can't just live... If I'm going to say I'm a Christian and I put my faith and trust in Christ, then that, that I don't have the right to live however I want to live. I need to live in such a way that it honors God. And so that's what Paul was saying. He said, I'm praying that through this wisdom and knowledge and this spiritual understanding that you'll walk worthy of the Lord. And again... The deeper you get into God's Word, the more time you spend with God, the more you should be on board to the point that you realize, wow, a very high price was paid for my salvation. I sure don't want to live my life in such a way that I tarnish the name of Jesus. I don't want to, I don't want to stomp or trample the blood that had to be applied to my life so that I could have salvation. So walk worthy of that. Again, I'm going to go back into Ephesians here quickly. And I thought again as I was looking today at something that Paul, Paul said again over here to the church at Ephesus. He said in Ephesians 4, um, verses 1, 2, and 3, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And that word beseech means to encourage you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So again, walking worthy of the Lord. And then he says this here. He says, 
fully pleasing Him. He says, I'm praying that you not only walk worthy of the Lord, but you'd be fully pleasing to Him as you live your life. Now, think about that. Fully pleasing. Would you be willing to say tonight that probably everything you do is not fully pleasing to the Lord? I could say that I'm, everything I do, I'm sure, is not fully pleasing to the Lord. Quite certain of that. 1 Thessalonians, um, Paul wrote over here in verse 1, he says, and I'm just reading to different places in Scripture where he said some of the same thing to other Christians. He said, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort, exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. We should live our lives in such a way that God is pleased with how we live. And I don't think it's a bad idea that from time to time, maybe even daily, definitely weekly, but probably daily, we ought to come before the Lord and say, God, is my life pleasing to you? Lord, am I pleasing you with how, I've, I'm, how I'm conducting myself? And most of the time when you pray that, you'll know whether you have been living a life pleasing to God or not. You'll know. But sometimes I think we just need to God to remind us who we represent and what we're supposed to be about. But I'm almost done. But he says here, he said, fully pleasing him. But notice this, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. Now, Again, as Christians, we are to be fruitful. We are to be putting on spiritual fruit. We are to live our lives in such a way that we are, people should be able to see fruit in our lives. And again, we could go over to Galatians, I think it is, and we could read the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we won't get into all that tonight. But just as a peach tree would put on peaches and a pear tree would put on pears and pecan trees would put on pecans or pecans, wherever you're from, you know, um, how do they say that in Montana? I didn't ever ask anybody that question. They say pecans. What, are they, what is it? They say pecans? Okay, it's pecans though. But anyway, we'll forgive you. But you know what's weird about that? I, it's pecans. Is it do you? It, what's funny is I'll say pecans like, oh, look, there's some pecans. But if I go to the store, I'll look for butter pecan ice cream. See, I don't know why I say butter, butter pecan don't sound right. A butter pecan does. But if I'm just eating them, I want some pecans. It's a pecan pie, butter pecan ice cream. I don't know. So I get the best of both worlds, I guess. But anyway, we're to be fruitful. In other words, people should look at your life and be able to see spiritual fruit in your life. You should, you should have patience with people. You should be showing love, the love of God. Uh, you, you know, I, all of a sudden I can't think of any of the rest of the fruit. Um, somebody help me. Long-suffering. Patience. Love. Y'all just, I think y'all gave me the one I already said, didn't you? Did I, did I, did I say those? No. Anybody else? There's more than three. What? Gentleness. Patience. There you go. Gentleness, patience. What else? There's one or two more, isn't there? Long-suffering. We got one that one already. That's the one we all keep coming up with, long-suffering, because we know that's the one we struggle with the most, <laughs> being long-suffering. Uh, that's definitely the one we struggle with. But these are things that people ought to see in our lives as Christians. And that, that should be evident that we spend time with Christ. That's what it should be evident of. And then the last thing that he says here that we're going to start with tonight. Again, he just, he's already said this, but he says it one more time. 
He says, uh, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, his thought continues on into verse 11, but we're going to stop at verse 10. But he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. We should always want to uh, learn more about our Savior. I, I mentioned Connie a while ago, and I mentioned to, uh, again yesterday, me and Brother Ron were talking over at the food pantry and we were talking about dating our, you know, our marriage and relationships and, and he's not here tonight because he's getting ready for a procedure, a test he's got to have run tomorrow but, so you all be praying for him as well but we began to talk about you know, always kind of pursuing or, or dating your spouse or whatever, or making time for them and that kind of stuff but I remember watching the movie Fireproof years ago when it came out but I remember the uh, Kirk Cameron in the movie, I don't remember what his name was in the movie, but the African-American gentleman that was there with him, and he asked him, he says, how much do you know about your wife? And, and he, you know, Kirk Cameron kind of gave him some things. He's like, so would you say you got a high school diploma or a college degree or a doctor's degree? And, and, and where are you at with your relationship with your wife? And, you know, that's a good question. You know, as far as knowing your spouse, what would you say you know about her do you, or him? Do, do you know a lot? Because, see, what happens a lot of times is we get married and we quit learning about our spouses we just we, we do a lot to pursue them but then once we get them we just kind of let everything go and you're just like y'all got her now you know they, you ain't got nothing to worry about or, or you know i've got her or i've got him or whatever you, whoever you you know your relationship is but the thing is we should keep pursuing to learn more and more about our spouses so we can learn these things and uh, about probably 10 years ago connie and i were uh, on a weekend retreat and I went to get her coffee. I said, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I don't even know how you take your coffee. Now, at this time, we've been married almost 28 years, but then it was about 18. I said, I don't know how you take your coffee. And she told me how she took it. I said, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a shame that I've been married that long and I don't know how to fix your coffee. And uh, she says, well, I don't know how to fix yours either. I said, that's not the point. I said, I shouldn't say, well, you don't know how to fix mine. I don't even know how to fix yours. I said, the fact that I don't know how to fix it I said, I don't even know what your favorite color is. You know, it's not something that comes up in conversation every day. You know, that I, that's a life or death situation. I need to know what her favorite color is. But I should know those things. And so I found out that day how to fix her coffee. I've been fixing her coffee every morning for the last 10 years now. Why? Because that's important to me. You know, if that's how you want it. And she'll tell you, you make my coffee better than I make my coffee. But, you know, I tell her I put love in it. That's what it is. I, you know, it's a little bit of sugar, a little bit of cream, or a whole lot of love. And so, but I fix her, her coffee every morning. But those are things, I said that to say this. When we get saved, we entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And just as you should be always wanting your, your married relationship to grow, you should want your, your relationship with Jesus to grow even more. And honestly, the more your relationship with your Savior grows, it's going to grow as a spouse too. Because why? Those things in your relationship are going to come out in all your other relationships. But just because I got saved and I'm on my way to heaven, my name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I got the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I shouldn't go... Bags packed, ready to go. Man, I'm good. No, I should say, okay, I'm in a relationship now. Lord, I want to know everything about you that I can possibly know. I want to learn everything. And that's why Paul says here, he said that you would increase in the knowledge of God. Learn everything about Him. The more you know about Him, and here's what I promise you, 
the more you know about him, the less you'll realize you know about him. I heard, I heard, uh, uh, I was listening to the Christian radio station this past week. Listening to a sermon, I don't even remember, it might have been, uh, I think it was Adrian Rogers, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. But he was, uh, he was preaching, and I think he's the one who made this statement. He says, you know, he said, the more I learn about God, he said, the less I realize that I know about God. He said, because, he said, in my early, in my, my relationship, in my, my ministry, he says, man, I thought I had a good handle on who God was. He said, but the deeper my knowledge of him becomes, the more overwhelmed that I am that my God is huge. He knows a lot. He's, in, he's involved in so much. He is beyond my comprehension. He says, I sit back and go, I thought I knew what that meant. I don't know what that means anymore. He said, because my, my understanding of God is growing deeper and deeper. He said, but we need to grow. And, and that's what we need to do today. We need to grow in our knowledge of who God is. And I'll read you one last verse and I'll hush. I know you guys are getting tired of hearing me. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18, Peter is the one that's writing this. And he says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge. Not just the knowledge, but grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we should be growing in grace and in knowledge. Why? So that we could be a great example to a lost world of who Jesus is. They should see Jesus when they look at us. Sadly, most times they probably don't see Jesus when they look at me. They probably see me getting in God's way a lot. That's probably what a lot of people see, but I hope not. But we need to be mindful as we live our lives that we, need to, that we are representing God in everything we say and do. Not just here at church, but in our homes, in our relationships, in our ministries, everything. So tonight, here's what I want us to do. We're, going, we're getting ready to dismiss. Uh, you got about seven minutes before we would actually... Close out in prayer. You take seven minutes. You take two minutes. However long you need, 20 minutes. But do pray for, for your vote Sunday night. Um, I, I've told you my decision as, you know, as to where I'm at. But you need to, you got to vote Sunday night. And I would pray that you would vote God's will for your church. And if you don't feel like I'm the man, you vote that, okay? But if you do, you vote that. But I would, I would ask you to spend time in that, uh, that you would spend time in prayer about that tonight. Not just for you, but for the entire church. Because there is there's one thing that's important to me, and I want you to know this, and that is that God be glorified, and He be honored in everything we say and do. And if it's not God's will, then we don't want it. If it is, we want it. But if, God, if it is God's will that we be here, and that is how you vote, then you pray tonight that in, in the process that we will we'll glorify God in this community, that we'll, we'll reach lost folks for Him, that we'll see some great work, we'll see this church grow, we'll, we'll just... We, we don't want to just be here to be here, okay? We don't want to exist just to exist. I believe the church uh, right now is one of the most difficult times to be a pastor, I believe, and I believe it's one of the most difficult times to be a church. But I also think it's one of the most awesome times to be a church and to be a pastor because right now the world needs us as far as the church and Jesus more than they've ever needed Jesus before. So right now we have an opportunity to make a huge impact, and I want to do that. And you know what? We may not have that long before Jesus comes back. So we need to make everything count for Him. So pray that tonight. But pray that, but also pray for all the sick that's in our, our church. We do have a lot that's sick right now. Some that wants to be here that can't be here. Pray for those. Um, 
And I'm sure there's probably people tonight that we may not have even mentioned uh, that needs prayer. So, Brother Ron, you gonna you know, cue me some music? So here's what I'm going to do. You guys, you, um, I'll close this in prayer on this part, and then we'll go into a time of prayer. If you don't have time to pray tonight, you just want to leave. That's up to you, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to throw a rock at you or anything as you're walking to the door. I'll pray hard against you, but I won't throw any rocks at you. No, I won't do that. I'm just kidding, y'all. Let's pray. Father God, we are, we are so thankful, Lord, tonight uh, to be in your house. We are thankful. Uh, for just who you are in our lives, God. We want to ask that you would help us tonight as we take the word that we read. Help us, God, to apply it to our lives. God, keep us ever mindful that we represent you every day in everything we say and do. Tonight, Lord, as we pray, we want to pray for your, your will to be done here in this church. Lord, we want to pray your will to be done in all these individual lives that make up families. We want to pray for those that are sick tonight. And Lord, we just want to pray that they'll know that they're loved and they're missed. And we pray your hand will be upon them. But God, bless this prayer time I ask that we are about to have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.